0: Okay, now, we have a couple of questions here. First off, do you have to touch the person afflicted? And can a person be healed long distance? Yes. Yes on the second one, not, no on the first one. Okay. First off, do you have to touch the person? You don't have to. Jesus healed several people from a distance by, by speaking a word from a distance. Now, uh, I have received phone calls from as far away as Australia and prayed for a person on the phone, and then been, they were healed while I was speaking to them. Uh, so I would call that long distance. Okay, first off, all the way to Australia. Uh, secondly, we had a man that was dead, uh, dropped dead of a heart attack, and the lady, uh, well, we well, we didn't really know them. We had met him at a conference, but it was in the middle of a conference, as a matter of fact, and that we had had a break. I was going to a Seven Eleven to get a Coke, it had something real spiritual. You know, like, And so I, I just pulled in, my phone rang, and I'm in there buying a Coke, and the lady's panicking, and her husband's dead, and he's on the floor, and the, the uh, EMTs are there to take him. And she told him, you're not taking him until I get a hold of this guy on the phone. And so I told her, I said, you stall him, put your phone on his chest, and give me 30 seconds. And she said, okay. So she drops the cell phone or the uh, home phone down on his chest. And <clears throat> when I heard it kind of muffled, then I just started saying again, and I understand Remember what I told you about Wigglesworth, how he punched people because he got punched? Okay, the statement I usually use is, You will live and not die in Jesus' name. Now, that is not a formula. It's not a magic, a magic charm or an incantation of any sort, but it's worked for me. And so I use it every time. I don't think about it, it just comes out. Okay? So don't try to use that. And, you know, don't be like the seven sons of Sceva. You know, well, Brother Curry said. You will live and not die in Jesus, and don't do that,? Right? Let what's in you come out. And if whatever's in you, even though it may be different, it'll work. okay? And so yeah, I did that, started saying it. About thirty seconds later, she picks up the phone, she says they're taking him. They put him in the ambulance. She followed them in the car. and I remember her she uh, wrote, no, she called me later and then wrote us a letter, testifying to it. and she said, I was following them in the car. And I could tell when he came back because there was panic in the back of the the ambulance. There was a lot of movement and a lot of motion. And so, uh, you know, it it sounds kind of funny, but I I told my wife one day after talking to some people, praying for people from Australia, and I said, you know, John Lake would have loved to live in this day when when he could have been healing by telephone and by email. And we had some people, we do a lot of email stuff. I I get hundreds of emails. Uh, almost a, a day. But, um, we've farmed a lot of them out now, depending. i get mostly the prayer request and some questions and things like that. But at one time I had people calling in for prayer for healing. And so I just put a thing in the center deal and hit reply, and it said, you know, when you read this, put your hand on that dot. They sent it back, put their hand on it, and got healed. Putting their hand on the dot on a computer screen. Not even, you know, it's the uh, 21st century prayer cloth. Okay, So, I mean, where do you want to limit God? Because I don't want to limit Him. Right? And I'm looking for new ways to see how much further out we can go, keeping within the parameters of the Bible. Amen? Amen? And so, there's a lot of areas. So, do you have to touch a person? No. On the other hand, now here's the, actually, this is kind of the opposite of the question I usually get. Usually I get, how do you pray, or what do you say? The Bible doesn't say you say anything. The Bible doesn't even say you have to pray. See, in James it says that you call for the elders. The elders are the only people in the Bible that it's told that they're supposed to pray. Right? Mark 16 doesn't say pray. Mark 16 says believers shall lay hands. doesn't say anything about praying. Why do we automatically think we have to pray? See, we, you add that in there. Well, we've got to lay hands and pray. The Bible doesn't say lay hands and pray. It says lay hands. Now, <clears throat> that shows that there is a transference that takes place. See, that's what people don't get. There is a flow of the Spirit of God that will go from God through you into them. Now, they can be healed directly by power going from God to them. Sure, that's you know, no, no doubt about it. But you're to lay hands. Have you ever? Maybe you go to a funeral, and the person sitting on the front row, the the spouse of the person that died. You know, they're heartbroken. You know, they're grieving. You're wanting to comfort them. Now, tell me, which words, what words, can comfort someone who has just lost a loved one? Is there a word? No. You All you can do is show you care. Right? You really can't comfort them. You can just show that you care. But more times than not, when you go up to them, you're really not paying attention to the words you say. You're, you know, You don't have a set spiel. You know, okay, this is my you know, grieving spouse, you know, statement. You just walk up to them and you tell them something like, you know, we're so sorry. If there's anything we can do. You know, you, that's just a typical, right? But what else do you do? You reach out and touch them. Isn't that right? It's that pat. Isn't that right? We're there. Yeah, and making that eye contact. Letting them know that you love them. Isn't that right? But but you say more through that pat than any words you can say. Why? Because love, compassion, is transmitted through that path. Now, if you just take that and turn it to the sick, when you have the same compassion for the sick, you can have, see, I've been there, I've had a child that was born deformed. I know how people act, I know how it feels, It. When they're in there hooked up to wires and tubes and they tell you they don't know from minute to minute they're going to last. I know what it feels like, and you know as a parent, you, you, I know I did, and I know you would pray the same prayer. God, me instead of them. You know, let the, I, I don't care, whatever, just I'd rather it be me in that situation than them. And they're right, in that the heart of a parent? And that's what God, that's the way he feels. When he looks at the human race, not just Christians, but the human race, he's thinking, if that were me instead of them. Well, what would he do? He sent his son. Why? So it would be him instead of them. See, he did something about it. Jesus' coming was an act of compassion from the Father. is right? That he would give his own son. Now think about that. That a person would give their own son so that another doesn't have to suffer. And when you get that Whenever you, you didn't, whenever you could, when you see this deformed child, you know children there are children born without legs, without hands, and it 's amazing a child born without a leg that is fitted with a prosthesis can learn to run as fast as a normal child it 's a fact if it 's early on er, you know early youth, they adapt so well and yet when you see that child so really that child isn 't hard i mean in American you know society today. You know, there's some, uh, uh, how would you say it, uh, disadvantages. There's some, you know, uh, things that may, hardships maybe from a person that is in that situation. But honestly, as a child growing up, they can overcome it and they can live pretty much a normal life. Pretty much. You know, maybe a slight variation. But I'm telling you, whenever you see that child and you know, okay, that, that child is not going to know anything different. They, they didn't have a limb and lost it. They never had it, right? So they don't know what it was like to have it. So when you look at them, where does the compassion go? Just like Jesus with the widow of name, the compassion goes to the mother. Because I guarantee you, the parents are hurting more than the child is most of the time. Because the parent, there's nothing like watching your child hurt like that, that you would do anything you could to change it. And when you understand that, and you have compassion on that parent, and then you turn it, and you want to help the parent to the point where you'll do whatever it takes to get the child well. That's compassion. That's what heals the sick. That's what turns everything around. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because it makes all the difference. See, we think we have to have it just right and everything just right here, and it has to be God's will for this person to be healed at this time, and they have to have the right amount of faith. And we have, we, you know, I tell everybody, it's like an IRS tax form. You know, we got to have two from line one and one from line A, and you subtract here, and you have to go. We've made healing harder than an IRS, you know, filling out an IRS tax form. In reality, Jesus didn't do that. He, he just walked through. And now, I mean, let's think about it this way. Jesus went around and healed people. But there were times when he went to the crowd and they touched him. Now think about it. Do you realize what that one story of the woman with the issue of blood, do you realize what that does to modern theology? Tears it apart. Isn't that right? I mean, here, wasn't Jesus the very voice of God on the earth at the time? Wasn't he the full embodiment of the will of God, and the, and the voice of God, and the, the mind of God? Isn't that right? I mean, he was it. He was a representation of God. And here he is walking through a crowd. Some woman with an issue of blood grabs him by the hem of his garment. He turns around and says, somebody touch me. Isn't that right? He turns around. He didn't even know who it was. But the woman got healed. You know what that means? That means God is not in heaven flicking a switch saying, okay, this is your turn. You get it? It was there. It was life. Healing was emanating from Him. And he this woman came up and got it because she said within herself, if I just touch the hem of His garment, who set the, the conditions for her healing? She did. There's nothing in the scriptures per se that says when you grab the hem of His garment, you're going to be healed. There is references to the hem of the garment what it represents. But there's nothing that says that's the way to be healed. Isn't that right? There were specific regulations under the old covenant of how to be healed. It was very specific. You know, if you do this, go offer this thing and go to the priest. and all. I mean, it was very specific. But this woman did something that wasn't even written in the Bible. Isn't that right? And, and she got healed. And Jesus turned around and didn't even know who she was. Now, you would think he would have had to know for the power to go into it. But it shows who was controlling the power of God. The power of God, Jesus, was made available. And the woman was controlling it at that point. That's why I said he, the power of God is mechanical. See, it makes people mad when I say that. But I found that to be true. The, I can show you all kinds of examples. I'll give you one. When you woke up this morning, even our clocks are set basically on the sun. Do you think that God had to get up this morning and go, okay, son, do it again? No. Why? Because He set it in motion. He spoke it once. It's forever good. is right? Until he changes it, Isn't that right? He didn't have to get up every morning and say, do it again. He said one time. The, the Hebrew, King James says, God said, let there be light. What well, the Hebrew says, and God said, light be. He didn't say, let there be. He said, light be. And the next verse is, and light was. Well, that's good. You know what else he said? Now think about this, because he only said it once and yet it's going constantly. He didn't have to get up every morning and do it all over again. Right? Do you realize even science. Science tells us that light is expanding in all directions. Not necessarily equally, but in all directions. At roughly, what is it? 186,200 miles per second. That's pretty quick. Right? Speed of light. Moving out. Now, God said light be. Now, what was first? The word or the light? The word, right? He said it. Light became... And it says in Isaiah... That he sent his word out... Isn't that right? It says that... So shall his word be... That he sent out of his mouth... That it will accomplish the thing... That, it's, that he sent it to accomplish... Right? It will not return to him void... But you know why... His... You know why light is still expanding? Because there's still void out there... So it can't turn and come back... Until it has filled all the void... So if you could... Now this is, this is the only theory... I will give you during the next three days... Right? But theoretically... If you could get out beyond light, where light has reached, into the far expanses of the numerous universes or whatever, but that light was moving towards you, there would be a point when that wall of light hit you, got even with you. And my conjecture is this. If you could stand in front of that and that light came, the split second, the front side of that light, when it got to you, I believe with all my heart that you would hear the audible voice of God saying, Light be. Because His word is still going so it's still pulling the light behind it. And His, now has His word returned back to Him? No, because light's still going. Right? Now think about that. If the light is going out and that it comes to you, He only said it once but it's still traveling. Isn't it right? Well, He said, by His stripes you were healed. Why do you think He has to say it again for you? He said it once. It's still out there. Is everybody healed? Okay, nothing. Well, I mean, think about it. As far as theoretically, Jesus bought it. Right? But has everybody experienced it? Then it's still out there going. It can't return until everybody's healed. Or His Word will return to Him void. Isn't that right? Yeah. Hey, we're talking about science. We're talking about quantum physics. That's the way it works. You, know, you want to understand how Jesus walked through a wall? Study quantum physics. They can explain it it's amazing you want to know how to grow limbs on somebody quantum physics explains it see the word made flesh is it right you don't have an arm they talk. They call it phantom limbs person gets a limb cut off they can, it still itches even though they can't scratch anything it still itches you know what that means what are they feeling their spirit yeah. so our job is not to create a new arm because there's already an arm, and arm there isn't the spirit the real us yeah. that's the real us this isn't the real us right this will decay. believe me Take a picture from when you were a child and look at it now, okay? That's not the real you because that's changed. But the real you hasn't. Isn't that right? That's who you are, the real you, the spirit, right? This flesh is just the the clothes you put on. And so whenever your spirit is out there, you have the flesh cut off of it, but the spirit stays. So if you want a new arm, all you've got to do is get enough word made flesh, and it'll start adding on, and pretty soon you've got another hand out there. That's the way it works. It's the word made flesh. See, you think, you think man, you're, you're crazy. Maybe so, but it's working for me. All right? <laughs> Simple as that. You know? Remember, I'm, I'm, you're in my healing line. I'm not yours. Right. So, you need to realize that his word going out there, he doesn't have to flip on a switch. He doesn't have to say, it's okay to get healed. He said, it's once and for all done. Isn't it right? When he hung out, when he put his arms out and said, is it is finished, that means it was finished. Why do you think that we have to... If it's not finished, Ephesians has to give the okay. I can show you other examples. Moses, you like the Old Testament? We'll go there. I'll use that against you. Right. <laughs> That's what it says. The letter kills, right? So we'll just chop some of that flesh off with it. So, Moses, he's out there, first time to get water out of the rock, right? Then he goes back and he strikes it, right? And he hits it twice, remember, the second time? And when he hits it, now, what was he trying to get? Water. Did he get Water. Yes. yes, he did. Now, when he struck the rock, what did it cost him? God told him, you won't go into the promised land. Isn't right? So he struck the rock in disobedience, an outright sin that cost him dearly. is right? Now, according to our theology, well, if it's not the will of God, it ain't going to happen. is in that our theology? But the fact is, he, he in an act of sin... Still got the miracle. That's called mechanical. Ain't it right? Because why? He had that rod. Now, it cost him. Now, I'm not telling you to do things out of the will of God. You understand? But I'm telling you, your parameters are a lot bigger than Moses' was. Let me tell you another. I'll give you another example. There's a couple of them. Uh, Uriah. Uh, who was it? Uriah? Uh, Uriah? Yeah, Uriah when it touched the, uh, the uh, ark, when it was coming in, they were bringing the ark back in. Uzzah, Uzzah, that's it, yeah. Oh, he's going to make, yeah, that's right. Uriah was David's guy. Alright. <laughs> get right here, hang it right. <coughs> now, they're bringing the ark back in, right? It's being captured by the Philistines, they're bringing it back into Jerusalem. God said, don't anybody touch that ark? You touch that ark, you're dead. Isn't that right? They go along, the ark starts to rock. Here's this guy. He's just trying to do something good, right? He doesn't want the ark to fall off in the dirt. He's just in there. He reaches up to steady it. Drops dead. Now, do you think God was watching that ark? All right, don't touch it. I'm watching you. Up, <laughs> oh, you touch it, that did. You're out of here. You know, fried him, right? No, he spoke it. It became the law. God could turn around and walk off the other side of the universe. It wouldn't matter. Somebody touches it, they drop dead. Why? It's a law. Do you think every time? God created the law of gravity. Isn't it right? Do you think he's... Now, I'm not saying he doesn't know. I'm saying, does he have to enforce it? Why? Because it's a law, right? Now, but if a sparrow falls, he knows. But that doesn't mean he commanded the sparrow to fall. Isn't it right? See, we live in a fallen world. And what you have to realize is that our job here is to bring heaven to earth in a matter of speaking. Isn't that right? People say, well, I don't think that. Jesus told them, Thy will, pray this way, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Are we going to have sick, dying, crippled people in heaven? No. See, everybody knows that. Then we shouldn't have them here. Amen. I can give you, well, I'm not, not I can, I'm going to give you several scriptures. I will prove to you from the scripture that there is sick people in your town. It's your fault. There's a scripture that says that very thing. And I'll prove it before we get done. It is your responsibility to find out what you have to know to get people healed. Now, a lot of it we have condensed here. Now, some things you will learn as you go. But I can get you started to the point where pretty much anything that comes up, you can handle it. But you're still going to have to make the decision and the commitment because what you start playing with eventually will consume you. Because you start... And, and here's what you have to learn. You're going to have to learn that you do everything you possibly can. You do... And, I, and again, I'm not... There's responsibility. And I'm not, do not use this as a, uh, some kind of you know, excuse. But if you don't learn how to minister to people and get them well, but then at the same time be able to turn loose, then I promise you, within a year or so, I'll be praying for you because you'll have a nervous breakdown. Because I went that route. I, I took so much responsibility that when I laid down and closed my eyes, I saw the people that I was praying for. And, I, and it would get where well, I would be walking through a store and just start crying. And, and i start shaking and weird things. And I, I told some of the people that, on our staff what was going on. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it does this. And, and, and there were times, I remember one time in a golden crowd went to a restaurant and, I, and I, would, I would just start crying. And so I'd get up and go to the restaurant or something where people wouldn't see me crying. And I remember going into a stall one time and started crying. And I kept thinking, I, I cannot let go. Because if I let go, I ain't coming back. And I would have been sitting there in a corner shaking and crying and just having a nervous breakdown. Because I didn't know how to turn those cares over to Jesus. And you see, I took the responsibility. And our job is, it's, it's, it's a fine line. You have to learn to take all responsibility and yet give the care of it to Him. And so it's a fine line, but you have to learn how to walk it. Because if you don't, you're not going to be any good for anybody after very long. Because you've got to go... It's kind of like this. When they get healed, glory to God. If they don't get healed, it's your fault. That's a pretty good deal on God's end. okay? But that's kind of the way you have to think about it, and then you have to realize what's going on. Because you never analyze your victories. You only analyze the failures. And right, the victories you just think, well, it's because of my superior skill and talent. <laughs> See, you don't have really analyze them. You don't realize it, it was this person over here is really praying hard while you're trying to be, you know, Superman. And so, but you have to realize that there comes a point where you have to let it go. Amen. But now, let me give you another example. Um, well, even whenever uh, Moses here, Moses is, has escaped from the Egyptian army. They get to the Red Sea. He's out there with all these Israelites who are not warriors, right? He's got his back to the Red Sea, technically his back to the Egyptians, and his front to the Red Sea. And here come the Egyptians. And, oh, it amazed me. Because here they are, and the first thing, that all the people start crying out, you know, oh, we're going to die, oh, this is going to happen. Come on, you've got a pillar of fire standing between you and them. And you're crying that you're fixing to die. Now, before we put them down too much, we do the exact same thing. God has taken us through things, brought us through things, helped us, blessed us, and the next problem comes along, we're crying and whining, and, oh God, why'd you bring me here, and why'd you let this happen, and why'd you let... Come on. It's, it's like we were saying earlier, God allows what you allow. Why did God allow this? Because you did. Real simple. You, you believe that? Have you heard Because it's true. He said, whatever you loose on earth, it's loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Where does the binding and loosing start? Earth. Here. Not heaven. Isn't it right? It doesn't start in heaven. You, it starts here. What you bind, what you loose, will be bound or loose here. It's up to you. See, this is new covenant Christianity. This is the way Jesus thought. Jesus is your only example. The disciples weren't your example. The sick people weren't, weren't your example. Jesus is your example. Why? Because he, he was the first... Well, I can't say it that way. somehow. Take it off in some weird thing. You're a new creation. And he was the first different type species to look at that lived differently. Right? Now, you think, well, you know, you sound like you are, are telling us that we're something special and we're different. I am. But Jesus said it first. Because Jesus said, he said this when they were talking about John the Baptist, he said, of all the prophets born of women, there has not one been born on the earth greater than John the Baptist. right? The greatest prophet. Now, if I was to ask you, before I told you that, if I said, who was the greatest prophet? Some people would say, well, that would be Jesus because he was a prophet. Yeah, okay. But that's not what Jesus said. And then somebody else would say, well, it would be Moses. He's the best known. Or Elijah or Elisha. Right? Because of miracles nobody would hardly, unless they know Scripture well, nobody would bring up John the Baptist. Because he did no miracles. And I started looking at it. Now, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet, yet he did no miracles. So miracles don't have anything to do with being a great prophet. So then I had to go back and say, okay, well what does it? Well, a prophet is one that speaks for God. (coughs) Right? So, therefore, that must mean that John the Baptist had the greatest message. Isn't that right? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, what was the greatest message? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, all the Old Testament prophets kept saying, He's coming. He's coming. Isn't that right? Over and over again. He's coming. What did John the Baptist say? He's here. He's here. Now, <clears throat> what did Jesus say? He said, of all the prophets born of women, not one is greater than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Why? Because John the Baptist watched him walk away. But he that is least in the kingdom of God not only says, He's here, but He's here. Not, He's here, but He walked off, but He's here. He lives in me. He walks in me. He talks in me. He doesn't leave. He doesn't come. He doesn't go. That's why I tell people, the anointing doesn't lift. The anointing doesn't wane. I don't get weaker and stronger based... You know, it's not the anointing that gets weaker and stronger. You want to know what it is? See, we have these weird ideas of what the anointing is. Well, there's an increased anointing. You know, I get all these letters and emails from different people. and You know, God is about to release a fresh anointing. Uh, And then I thought, now we know whose fault it is that we hadn't had that anointing before. God's been holding back. (laughs) Because He's about to release. If He's about to release, that means He's been holding back. See how we always put it back on God? God's not about to release anything. God has released. You know what he says? You know what he tells the church? Wake up. Read the New Testament. He never said, well, now wait until I release something. He told them. He said, you awake to righteousness. You rise up. You stir up the gift that is in you. Read the New Testament. The responsibility is absolutely, completely, 100% on the Christians. It's never on God. Because if it was, then someday somebody could stand before God and say, You didn't give me what I needed. And I guarantee you, you will never stand before God and accuse Him as if you had more at stake and you had more heart for the people than He did. He has given you His name, His word, His spirit. He's given you His gifts. He's given you His power. He's given you everything. And so if there's any lacking, it's not a lacking in our part of, uh, in the sense of our having it, it's in our lacking of obedience to use it. See, I tell everybody, you know, it's funny, God wanted Rambos, right? With the, you know, the M60 kicking the door, you know, the bandoliers, dut, 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 you know, those M60s make a particular sound. And that's what God wanted the church to be. Instead, He got a bunch of Barney Fifes. <laughs> that's what we are. You know, we got our gun, we got our badge of authority. Bless God, our gun isn't loaded. we got our bullet in our pocket. is that right? And we got to ask Andy when we can load our gun. <laughs> and when we finally get it loaded, what do we do? We shoot ourselves in the foot. is that right? But God wants us to be Rambos. Isn't that what he says? He says, you go, you occupy till I come. You go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. See, our whole idea, we've started a theme, a uh, statement down there at our church and our Bible school and our group, our our team, that whenever we hang up the phone, or we say bye or we we quit talking to somebody, the last thing we say when we start to part ways or get off the phone, the last thing out of our mouth is glory and freedom. Glory to God, freedom for mankind. Why? Because that's what we're drilling into ourselves. Why? Because we are here to provide freedom for the oppressed. And you go on, it's amazing, you go on the U.S. Army Ranger website, it's got the scripture out of Isaiah. I looked for a man. And I said, here am I. Send me. That's on the U.S. Army website. That's their official scripture. And if you look, even the, uh, the motto of U.S. Army, or actually U.S. military, special forces, is the oppresso libre, which means liberty to the oppressed. That's what Jesus said when he came. That's what he said. He said that he is, actually there's a bunch of uh, sacred cows in this at the same time, <laughs> but what he said was this, "Is this? he said that, he hath, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, right, to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he goes through the whole list, and one of those is to preach deliverance to the captives. That's what he was anointed to do. Now see, what we say is, well, we say, well, I'm anointed because the Spirit's upon me. You say, yeah, so? No, that's the opposite. See, it's opposite. See, we say, I'm anointed because the Spirit's upon me. Jesus said, the Spirit's upon me because I'm anointed. Amen. See, there's a, you think it's the same thing. It's not. The reason the Spirit's upon you is because you're anointed. Anointed means to be appointed to do something. Saul was anointed king. Why? Because he was appointed king. See, an anointing is an appointing. See, that's why your terminology is wrong. You think of an anointing as some ethereal thing that comes upon you. No, the anointing is when you got born again. See? And then the Spirit comes upon you. That's called the, the baptism in the Spirit. So you're anointed, and then the Spirit comes upon you. Why? Why does He come upon you? I, I know you want Scripture, because you're not going to believe it if I don't. But He said in Galatians. He said, because you are sons, He has sent the Spirit of His Son. Isn't right? Crying, Abba, Father. He didn't, he didn't make you sons by sending His Spirit. Because you are sons, He sent His Spirit. See, again, we're trying, it's with the backwards church. We do everything backwards. And you have to realize, you are anointed. Dr. Lake had a greater healing ministry before he received the baptism of the Spirit than most people have afterwards. He had a tremendous healing ministry from 1891 all the way up to 1907. He didn't get baptized in the Spirit until 1907. And yet he had tremendous healings. Dowie never had the baptism of the Spirit. Tremendous healings. Ripped cancers off of people's faces. And they were totally healed. All kinds of stuff. Now, explain that. Why? It's because when you get born again, you have the authority. See, the new birth gives you the authority to become sons of God. The baptism in the Spirit gives you the ability to act like one. That's the difference. That's, see, that's, what, the church, that's what Dr. Lake knew about the baptism of the Spirit. That's The stuff that I'm giving you, that, that, that I'm pouring out to you, it's, it's the secrets that Dr. Lake knew that allowed him to see 100,000 healings in five years. That's what did it. It's an understanding that the Spirit of God has given to you to use for God. You ever see those big machines? Uh, is this? I'm not remember exactly where we're at exactly. <laughs> and what uh, industry was up here. But yeah, even like those bridges and stuff. There's a man that sits in, that, in, in the control tower. And he's got two little bitty handles. Isn't right? And he can pull a handle. And that whole big old bridge thing will come up. Isn't that right? Now, that man could go out there, and I don't care how much he tried, he could take both hands and try to lift that bridge. It ain't going to lift. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Yeah. I know it sounds silly. Okay, bear with me. Okay. But both hands, he couldn't lift that bridge. But he can go in there to the control tower, take one little bitty lever, right, and just pull that thing back, and that bridge will rise up. Maybe now it's even easier. Probably push a button. is right? The thing just rises up. Now, what is that? That is, that man's strength, pushing the button, or pulling the lever, is what? Exponentially magnified by the mechanics of that machinery. Isn't right? Your power, you as a spirit living being, born of God, is exponentially magnified by the Spirit of God. Do you get that? He doesn't come separate from you, that's the problem. You think He's separate. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. That's why I said, when I told you earlier, somebody asked me, is that you or is it God? Yeah. Why? Because it's neither me nor Him. It's us. You see? The two shall become one. Paul said, I'm going to give you a secret. The same way it is between a man and a woman. When the two become one, it's the same thing with the church. Isn't it right? We become one with Him. One. One in thought. One in direction. One in, 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 in goals. One in aspirations. That's why most people that think they're born again are not. You know, they take Jesus as an add-on. Make my life better. You know, fix all my mistakes and clean up my messy life. When in reality, the problem is, people are trying to live resurrection life without dying. You can't have a resurrection until you have a death. Most people don't want to die. They want Jesus as a band-aid. Right? Not as a replacement. You've got to realize, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? That's what this whole thing is about. That's why I can speak to you the way I do. Jesus said, if you receive him who I send, you receive me. Why? Because I'm speaking his words. It's just like he was here. I know I'm not him, right? But I speak his words. His spirit is in me. I don't have my spirit here and his spirit there. We're one. See, even in the old days, remember they had the old scuba tanks? Had two tubes, you know, two tanks on it? And then they got smart and put them all in one tank. What's that? That's a new birth. Spirit of God out there, Spirit in me. And what do we do? We join together. And now He permeates me. where You can't tell where He stops and I pick up. And where I stop and He picks up. And the more my mind is renewed to His Word, the less you can tell. And pretty soon, you just keep going until you talk and act like Him. And people start shunning you and getting away from you. And thinking, well, who does He think? Man, He thinks He's something. No, I know I'm nothing. And the more I know I'm nothing, the more He can live big in me. They said that about Dr. Lake. And Dr. Lake, even one time when they were saying, well, he can do this because he's anointed and he's got this gift and he's got that gift. And he laughed. He said, if my dear Jenny was here, she'd passed away. He said, if she was here to hear that, she would laugh. He said, because she knew only too well my mistakes and my shortcomings. And he said, but people say that I'm able to do what I can do because of who I am. And he said, but I know that the secret is, it's not me knowing who I am that allows me to do what I do, but it's, a, it's a, the ability that I have to forget who I am that allows me to do it. Yeah. See, your problem is you. You keep thinking, well, I'm not ready, and no, I can't. No, you can't, and you'll never be ready. Right. <laughs> so just die, get out of the way, let him live through you. And when you do that, it won't be, you won't even be thinking about you. You won't even be thinking about who you are. Let's go. We have a, I don't know this and I don't know that. So what? give you one last thing and I'll send you to break here. Yeah, we, we're doing pretty good. Either that or that. clock went off. One of the two. It stopped working. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was in uh, Georgia years back. We'd actually moved there for a short time and helped start a church there. And I go into Georgia and I don't... <clears throat> I hate to waste time. I wasted many years and I hate to waste it now. Now I'm trying to redeem it. And I got a wife and, and two daughters and, and my son. And at this point, we were in Georgia and we went to a mall. And my wife and my daughters were exchanging some clothes. And normally I always take a book with me. Because I like to I'll stand there and read. And I have something with me to read. And this time I didn't. So I'm standing there. I didn't want to be there. <clears throat> they were having to stand in line. It's taking forever. I'm not happy. I'm not being spiritual. I'm not praying in tongues. I am grumbling, complaining. Same thing that caused the earth to open up and swallow a whole bunch of Israelites. Okay, I'm doing the same thing. Right? So I was not being spiritual. Okay, and I'm I'm standing there and I'm waiting, and you know, bless God, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I even told my wife they fix to go down to the bookstore and buy a book so I can stand here and read while I'm waiting on you because they were taking a while. And so while I'm standing there, you know how you see people come up but you don't really look at them. You know, you can see them in your peripheral vision. Well, these three ladies come up, two women and a younger girl, and the girl. Well, when they came up, I wasn't paying attention to them, but I'm just standing there, and right here, kind of like the size of my hand, right there, I felt something going out to them, and I've been praying, you know, God, do the weird, do the unusual, God, do do do, miraculously you know, and then when it starts happening, you're kind of like, what's that, you know? <laughs> you don't even believe your own prayers most of the time, and so this is going out. So when I felt it go out that direction, I turned to see who it is. Well, the girl standing there, young girl was all and you could tell she did not feel good. I mean she was like laying over on her mom you know doing all this kinda of stuff. And I'm standing there and I know what's happening. You know? And so I'm looking but you know, I'm just like you. I didn't you know you say, Well did you go over and lay hands on her? No, I'm just like you. I stood right there and thought, yes, you know, send the word. Yes, go <laughs> you know right? You know, I'm trying to help, right? But I didn't want to go over hey I don't like rejection any more than you do, right? And you never know how to respond. So I'm standing there and good. and it's like Two minutes, and this girl goes, Mom, I, I, I feel better. We, we can go. So and And I'm like, You know, and I'm thinking, Yeah, but you know, and about that time is when you want to walk over and go, Here, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> the anointing of God, you know, you know, that's when you want it, but it's too late then, right? You don't do it then. It's like, You know, don't, don't tell me the prophetic word on September 12th, right? Tell me on September 10th. What's going to happen on September 11th? i believe you, alright? Anybody can be a prophet the day after. Tell me ahead of time. Anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, there's a lot of out there. So, this is going, so I go home, and I'm thinking about this. A couple of days later, I'm working on a laptop, and I got this little television with a VCR in it, and I was watching this videotape that people send me tapes from around the world, different things, and healing services, and stuff. And I had this one from Africa. And it's pretty dramatic. I mean, it showed actual healings, cancers dropping off of people, it's pretty neat. You know, I'm sitting there watching this stuff. I'm like, whoa. I mean it's... But I'm, I'm working, right? And so I had the volume turned all the way down because I was trying to write some stuff while, and I just let this play. So I'm working on it. And about that time, I felt the same thing that was going out here. I felt it right here, but it's like both hands going forward toward the television. So I'm writing and I feel it. I look up. And now this tape was over a year old. So anything taking place was already long over, right? So. There was nothing here that God needed to do there, right? It wasn't something where I needed to get that to the people right then. And so I just, I stopped. What is that? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And you ever notice how Jesus always answers a question with a question? He always did that. He still does, right? And so he started asking me, remember the life-threatening situations you've been in? Yep, been a few. He said, what happens when you talk about it? I thought, I relive it. And he said, and, and well, I told him, I said, and the more detailed I get, the more I relive it. And if I get detailed enough, my heartbeat will speed up, my blood pressure will go up, my breathing will get shallow because I'm reliving it. Right? And I'm explaining this to God like he doesn't know. All right? And I'm explaining all this to God. And he goes, that's what's happening. You know, and me, I'm kind of like, huh? You know, I still don't get it. But he, he just said, the Holy Spirit is remembering. When he healed that person. Now think about that. On the tape, he was remembering it and I was feeling what he felt when he healed them originally. That's what I was feeling. Now, see see I had preached for years the scripture. If the same spirit dwells in you that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. And I always emphasize the he will quicken your mortal body. The healing part, right? This time the Spirit of God started quoting that scripture. But he kept saying. If that same spirit dwells in you. That raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I'm like okay. It's like a loop. If that same spirit dwells in you. That raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Okay I got it. No no no. If that same spirit dwells in you. That raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Okay. If that same spirit. Dwells in you. That raised Jesus from the dead. And it clicked. And I realized, bless God, I don't have a different spirit. Now think about that. If it's the same spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead, how can you ever say, I don't know what to do. I've never been in that situation. Of course you haven't. He has. Every dead raising, he was there. Every healing that's ever taken place, he was there. You, realize nothing miraculous has ever happened that the spirit that's in you was not there to perform. But I'm not ready. Nope, he is. But, but I'm not prepared. That's okay. He is. I've never been in this situation. That's okay. He has. So what do you got to do to get ready? You get it? You'll never be ready. You know why? you'll never be ready? Because every person's different. Every cancer is different. Any right? We're trying to make everything the same. Everything's different. The only thing that's always the same is the cure. The cure is the Spirit. He's the only thing that's always the same. Do you get that? It's kind of like the Navy SEALs. You know their motto? There's no problem that enough C4 can't cure. And <laughs> they that right? Enough plastic, plastic explosive, Right? And you get enough explosives, it'll fix pretty much any problem. Isn't that right? Well, that's the same thing. You get enough of the Spirit of God onto that person, it'll fix any problem. What do you have to know? Why do you think that their life somehow resides on your being ready. Are you really that important? Well, you know, God wasn't going to heal them because I'd get up in pride. You're already in pride. The fact that you're talking about it proves you're in pride. You know, that's like, oh, Lord, give me a burden for the lost. Hello, if you're praying that, you've already got it. Isn't that right? Yeah, we, we. Well, you know, God. God's going to get me right before He'll use me to heal somebody else. You're not that important. Do you get that? God, Jesus died for that person to be well. Why would he not get them well just because you're a little mixed up? Isn't that right? You think you've got to be perfect. It shows that we think this whole universe revolves around us. And it doesn't. It all revolves around him. All your job is to go and show his glory. How do you do that? Go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils. And when you do it around people that know you, they'll know it ain't you. Right? Because they'll know you. And they'll, I know him and that he didn't do that. Right? Because they'll remember all the times you messed up and said all the stuff you shouldn't have said. Right? And they'll know it when you. And then they'll say, wow, that really magnifies God. Because if he can use them, he can use anybody. And they're right? I'm, I'm living proof that God can use anybody. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. Right? <laughs> She'll tell you, if God can use curry, he can use anybody. Isn't that right? That's the way it is. It's not about us being perfect and ready. See, you think you want more anointing. Another dose here and a little more here. And if I, if I get a little more and a little more, sooner or later I'm going to overflow and it'll be great. That isn't what happens. You've already got all you can get. You know what the problem is? you got too much of you left. See, he's in there. If I take a fire, put it in a lead box, the thicker the box is, the longer it takes for the fire to heat up the lead for you could, you could have a fire going inside the lead box, you can touch the outside and not even feel it. Isn't that right? But if you get it going long enough, eventually the heat will transfer to the outside, right? Or I can take a piece of paper and wrap the piece of paper up and put a fire inside the paper, and guess what? I'm going to fill the fire pretty quick. Isn't that right? It's going to burn up real quick. That's the answer. You want the anointing? That's the answer. It's not about you getting a new anointing. It's about you peeling off layer after layer until there is so little of you left that all of him just flows through you and emanates from you. Do you get that? When I learned that, we're like onions. The whole idea is we just peel and peel and peel. And our whole life is a matter of peeling. And the more we peel, the closer he is to the surface and the more people see him. So our job is just to peel away all the outer layers. That's it. You know what that's called? Dying to self. And the more you die to self, the closer he is to the surface. Now, has the anointing increased? No. But you've decreased. Oh, that sounds like John the Baptist. I must decrease that he can increase. Right? Now, can the Holy Spirit increase? No. But you can decrease. And if you decrease, it'll look like he's increasing because you're going to see more of him. So quit trying to get more. Use what you've got. And when you use what you've got, now think, sowing and reaping. When you use what you've got... Whenever you make room, God fills it, and He fills it always with more than what you started with. Isn't it right? Take a break.